that idea of waiting. Are you in a waiting season in your life? Maybe you're waiting on some type of breakthrough to happen in your personal life, maybe on the job front, maybe there's a relationship that you're waiting to see might come to fruition that you don't currently have. Waiting. And Christmas time has always been identified with the idea of waiting. Uh, how many of you, when you think back to when you were a child, or maybe you're a kid or a young person here even today, uh, the idea of waiting on Christmas morning was a bummer because you were ready to get at it. You were ready to make things happen. In our traditions, when I grew up, Christmas Eve was at my grandma's house. And grandma and grandpa, they put on a, a, a nice little hosting environment for uh, the uh, 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 kids that they had and the, the grandkids. And so we would gather. And I always remember it because it was sort of, you know, through some winding roads. And we would get there. And you would have this Christmas Eve in their home. And they had one of those little glitter trees with the revolving uh, a light that cast different colors on it. You remember those in the old days, that kind of thing. And then they had a little chimney they would put out that was made of cardboard. And the stockings would be hung on it. A very strong visual to me. And then they would pull out this long desk that would turn into this big table. And we'd all sit around the table. And, and you know, of course, there was the parent and there was the adult table. And then there was the kid table. And we would have a great meal. And they would serve the meal on real plates with real silverware. Which was cool. I didn't care about that. But for whatever reason, after the meal, you were ready for the gifts. That was your first gift, and you, you were ready to go at it. But the adults, they were in no hurry. In fact, they would decide every year to wash the dishes. I'm like, what? You're kidding me? The meal's over, and they're out there just washing the dishes, talking away. And us kids were just like, it's about time. You're about ready. It's time for presents, right? And then they would come in, and then there would be the opportunity to have your first present for the Christmas season. Waiting. Waiting is a miserable thing. But waiting has always been identified with Christmas. And waiting is indeed what happened in those early days. Because waiting had been taking not only years or centuries, but even millenniums waiting for God to work, waiting for the missing peace that was to be brought into our world. And so if you're here this morning, and maybe you're missing peace, maybe you're waiting for God to break through in some ways, I want to encourage you that He is at work. Waiting can come in a multiplicity of dimensions. And if you're here this Christmas season waiting, I want you to hear the good news of what God is doing, because he's not only at work then, he's at work now, and he can be at work in your life today, no matter what you are waiting on. Well, you take your scriptures. I'm going to read the um, account of Christmas, the birth of Christ, from Matthew. And Matthew records it, Matthew written for the Jewish people, records it beginning with Joseph. And we find these words, if you have your scriptures, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 19. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she found was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, or her fiancé at the time, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her, or to break off the engagement, quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, Son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, 
Because what is conceived in her in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and they gave him the name Jesus. Those are familiar words to many of us, especially if you've grown up in church and you know the Christmas story, the true Christmas story. They're familiar words to us, but they're striking every time you hear them. Because God in his sovereignty chose to do something about the situation of mankind. And he chose to do something about your situation, wherever you're at this morning and whatever you're going through. God himself took initiative. He acted. And he acted on prophecy that was spoken from years, years, years long ago. In fact, you find that part that we just read there. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the prophets of old, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel, God with us. You know, if you were to look at the prophecies, and man, there's all kinds of prophecies in the Old Testament that are uh, predicting the Messiah, someone who would come to make all things that were wrong, to be made right. That Scriptures are filled with prophecies, but you can probably go back to the very first prophecy that some theologians and scholars believe, and it's recorded in the very uh, early part of Genesis, you know, where God created the world, and God created Adam and Eve, and he gave Adam and Eve a beautiful peace-filled paradise for them to live in and to enjoy and to serve God's purposes. Except they weren't to eat of the tree in the center of the garden because why? Not because God's a killjoy, but because God was protecting them for them to have life and to have it to the fullest. But they partook of the tree. The fall happened. Satan, through the serpent, had enticed them and into this perfect, peaceful paradise came brokenness. And in Genesis 3, it records the words of the prophecy that would ultimately one day predict the coming of Jesus into this world. God himself become flesh. And it says this in Genesis 3.15, that the seed of a woman would give birth to an offspring who would crush who would crush the skull of a serpent. From the very beginning, there was this prophetic word. And then there was other prophetic words all through Scripture, of course, in the Old Testament. And I'll just pick one. I'll pick the one that comes out of Isaiah. Isaiah the prophet, chapter 7, verse 14 says this, Therefore the Lord himself, will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Hmm. Does not that sound like something we just read out of Matthew? That's because in Matthew, he was referencing this particular prophecy of old, that there would be one who would be born into this world of chaos, into your world of chaos, and he would be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And I think one of the cool things, I was thinking about this yesterday as I was rethinking through the whole Christmas story. You know, it seems like it was a long time ago, right? 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ was born into this world, God himself. But on the scale of eternity, and I continue to always be impressed and awed by uh, the things that uh, these telescopes are pulling in from uh, the universe and the, the billions of years that they talk about. And you try to comprehend the billions of years that this creation has been around and the expansion of the universe. And 
then you start to contextualize that, you know, 2,000 years in the light of billions of years really isn't that long ago, right? And God himself intervened 2,000 years ago to fulfill these prophecies that were spoken centuries before then. This particular verse here of Isaiah was, was uh, spoken by the prophet 700 years somewhere around there before the birth of Christ. And if you try to get you some context, think how old is the United States of America, right? You know, it's 200 and some years old. We think, wow, it's not very old, I guess, in light of all these times. But the idea that God would act to be able to bring a Messiah had been spoken of, and there was longing and there was anticipation through all those years with the prophet Isaiah and others. Who is going to come to set God's people free and to bring peace on earth in the midst of all this and we get to worship here on this christmas season time looking back rather than looking forward in anticipation we are rich people to have the opportunity to know jesus and to receive his presence and his peace. It says this in Galatians, Paul did. He said, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that they might receive the adoption as sons and as daughters. In that fullness of time, that that phrase, the fullness of time, it's actually two words that talk. One word gives reference in the Greek to chronology, like a timeline. But then there's another word that's put with it, and it gives this idea of almost um, uh, when the time, you just can't hold back. The time's right, the fullness of time, at the right time. It was exactly the right chronological time. In fact, the words, if you put them together, almost uh, give, give this sense of a pregnancy. And, and you, can't, you can't make a pregnancy happen quicker or later. When, when there's a pregnancy happen, I, I was in the birth room. I probably I was not much help. My wife will tell you. But when the baby's ready to come, the baby's ready to come, right? In the fullness of time, God chose when he did for his son to be born into this world to bring peace on earth in the fullness of time. You're waiting? You're waiting? You're waiting? You're waiting? You're waiting? The people there were waiting for a long time for this Messiah. When is he going to come? When's he going to set us free? When's he going to bring peace on earth? When? When is this going to happen? There was this rich longing all the way back. You see it even from Genesis through the prophets, Isaiah, 700 years in advance. They were waiting and they were longing, anticipating. Have you ever been there with God? Waiting and longing and anticipating and Maybe sometimes it's been years. Sometimes it may have been your whole... Is God ever going to come through? What is God doing when I'm waiting? Know this. God's delays are not God's denials. God knows. If you're waiting on something today, in His perfect timing, in the fullness of time, in the fullness of time, it will happen. There's a segment of time in Scripture that's actually not recorded in Scripture. It's a gap. It's what's called the intertestamental time. It was 400 years from the prophet Malachi to what Matthew just spoke that we read. 400 years. Twice as long as the United States has been in existence. That's a long time. God wasn't speaking to them directly during this time through the prophets. There was silence, if you will. But during this time, do you know that during the intertestamental period, the time of silence, if you will, God was still working to come and bring about His initiative? If you were to study history a little bit, 
you'll know there was a guy by the name of Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great, 323 B.C., before Christ. Alexander the Great, I mean, he, he, he took the throne. Uh, he came out of Macedonia and the, and the Greeks, and, and he took the throne in his land, and he conquered pretty much the known world at that time, from Greece all the way to northwest India. He took the throne when he was 20 years old, and he did this in 13 years. And then his life was cut short. 13 years. He conquered. I tell you what, they talk about the goats today, like the greatest of all times, whether it's a football player, right? Yeah, Tom Brady's the goat, or you know, uh, Michael Jordan's a goat of basketball, that kind of thing. Friends, if you conquer the known world in 13 years, beginning when you're 20 years old, you can add the word great to your name. Alexander the Great. But you know what happened during Alexander the Great? That Greek uh, culture and that Greek language was spread across the known world at that time. And so that which was uh, broken and dispersed had a commonality of language. The Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament, if you will, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, but then it was translated into Greek. And so people who were of other cultures were able to read about the prophecies of the Old Testament. And then there was something called the Socratic method of, of teaching. You know what that is? You know, it, it, there was the one-way style of teaching. And it developed during this time where it wasn't just the one way, but the Socratic method of teaching was that you would be able to ask questions. In fact, the two-way kind of back and forth was the best way to learn. So there was this uh, change in the culture with Alexander the Great and the Greek language spreading across in the Old Testament, the scriptures coming to life for other people to know. There was this idea not only that uh, uh, you could uh, sort of seek out God, but you could question things about God. And so the Socratic method same. And then there was um, the uh, Romans who took over after the Greeks in, what, 63 B.C., before Christ? And they established a peace across all the Mediterranean known areas. And so there was this uncommon peace, what they call Pax Romana, that happened during this time. And instead of being in wars, the soldiers started building roads and highways. The transportation systems were uh, established that helped culturally things to move from one dimension to another. And then there was this um, issue of the dysphoria, they called it, which was the scattering of the Jews. So the Jews weren't um, comfortable or allowed in Jerusalem a lot in some ways, and so they dispersed over around into the other parts of the known world around the Mediterranean and even down into the northern part of Africa around. There was this dispersion of the Jewish people who had the faith of Abraham. All of this happened during the intertestamental period, the years of silence, as we call them, 400 years, God's delay is not God's denial. In the fullness of time, in the fullness of time when there was a common language where all people could share and talk together, when the Hebrew scriptures could be enlightened about what God was doing and what God was prophesying could be made known. You could have dialogue about this God. Ask questions. That became the end thing. And then the peace to travel. The peace to be able to interact with other cultures. Oh, the Romans were oppressive. There's no question about that. And we know that from the stories of Jesus. But as far as commerce and travel and communication, there was this Pax Romana peace. And then the displacement of the Jewish people, even God used that, so that there were Jewish people in different places. So when the idea that the Messiah had come, it would grab a hold in all these dimensions. Waiting, waiting in the fullness of God's perfect pregnant timing, the child came forth. God himself was born 
into this world. And I want to encourage you this morning, if you're in a place of waiting, that your place of waiting may be an okay kind of place. I remember different places of waiting in my life. And sometimes you get a little frustrated with God. God, why aren't you? Why aren't you moving things more on my behalf? Why aren't things coming my way? Why isn't there a change happening in, in my job or how I feel emotionally or even physically, my health? Why isn't there a change happening uh, in the relationship? <laughs> I, I uh, uh, was, uh, read something referenced this last week of a woman who was waiting and waiting for years to find the right man to marry. She had 43 things on her list of things that needed to be true of this person. And after many, many years, she had whittled her list of 43 down to two. He needed to be male and he needed to have a job. <laughs> waiting, waiting. If you've been in a place of waiting like I have, and all of us really have, you need to be encouraged that all that you're doing and seeking God is not for not. While you're praying, and you're wondering, and you're hoping, and you're asking, in your waiting, God is still working. Why? Because Scripture teaches it at Christmas. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. And so the point that we brought home last week when we kicked off this whole missing peace aspect is that peace isn't found in the absence of problems. Rather, peace is found in the presence of God. And we have the opportunity to be found in the presence of God because God sent His Son, Emmanuel, God with us. That's why when we read the account, which is over in Luke, of the shepherds hearing from the angels that night that Christ was born, they declared glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom His favor rests. The peace can rest in your life as you wait because God's presence is close at hand. But that's not where we turn a lot in our waiting, do we? We try to make things happen. We get discouraged sometimes. We get mad at God and we turn and you're not working on my behalf. You need to be patient. You need to see that God is not indifferent to your need. He has not turned a deaf ear. He is working. And in His time, his will will be brought about. Oh, maybe not sometimes in the way that we think it would be, but in His perfect timing, He will bring about the answers to our prayers. Last week, we referenced this other passage in Isaiah that said, you will keep, in Isaiah 26, 3, 4, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. And we said the word there for peace is the Old Testament word is the word shalom. And shalom is this idea of inner completeness, wholeness, and tranquility. And we have the opportunity to have shalom, shalom. It's a double word there, perfect peace. Shalom, shalom. If our eyes are fixed on Him, His presence, God with us, come in the flesh, named Jesus, who would save people from their sins and establish peace on earth, goodwill to men. We have the opportunity to have shalom, shalom. Some of you, when you were leaving last week, you used to say, hey, see, Carrie, shalom. Shalom. And I go, well, that's great. I appreciate that. Shalom back to you. That's the Jewish kind of greeting. We desire that not only for ourselves, we desire that for other people. And so this shalom, this inner completeness is possible for you and for your friends and for your loved ones, some who you need to invite for Christmas Eve or even next Sunday morning. Because there's a lot of people that do not have peace. 
I read this last couple weeks, you maybe saw it too, of an educator who jumped from the parking lot of Disneyland because of the turmoil in his marriage and other kinds of things. And you're like, who, who would do that? And how? It's a troubled soul that doesn't have peace. And so we have something to offer. We have peace to offer, but it's not just, hey, peace, you love, love. No, we have the one who is the prince of peace. And here he is. What we need people to do and what you may need to do today is you need to draw near to God in the midst of your waiting, in the midst of your challenge, in the midst of your depression, your discouragement, your anxiety. Don't be looking out there. Look within for the God who can dwell within you. It's referenced that there's two kinds of main peace when it comes to God. There's peace with God. But the peace with God must precede the peace of God. So if we're going to fix our eyes on the Prince of Peace, as we desire to have perfect peace, then we begin with this understanding that we need to be in relationship with God. And we are in a relationship with God because of what Christ did when he came. But outside of Christ, we are in dissonance. We are disenfranchised. There is brokenness in our relationship with God. I'm not going to park there this morning. We're actually going to park there more next week, the peace with God. But when you have peace with God and you've established that relationship with God, he comes to dwell within you. And he's not out there. He's not just the stories in scripture this time of year. He's the God that you can draw near. And because he is with you, you can have the peace of God. Two different things. Peace with God and the peace of God, it ends up enabling us then to have peace with others and to bring peace to all people. And so this is our calling as ambassadors of the Savior, as we mentioned a couple weeks ago, that we have the opportunity for people to know the Savior who came into this world and have peace with God, and then the peace of God is going to enable the peace with others, and then we can bring peace to all people. There is this beautiful calling that we have to not only have peace ourselves, but to extend that peace. I'm going to pause here to ask you, have you ever thought about inviting anybody into your home, to church on a Sunday morning, to a Christmas Eve service, who is a troubled soul that doesn't have peace? It could be that they are only one ask away from attending, coming with you, being a part of something where they hear God's word and they can begin their own journey of discovering to know God and have peace with him and have his peace in them. God wants to use you to be able to proclaim it on the mountain that Jesus Christ has come and this Jesus Christ is the one who brings peace into our world. Let's not lose sight of the opportunity we have. I told prayer group this morning before service, and if you want to come and pray with us at 9.30 on Sunday morning, we circle up for 20 minutes right down front in some white chairs right here, and we're praying and interceding for God to be able to pour out His Spirit upon us as a ministry for His glory, for us to have a service where people can hear clearly from the, the Word of God, whether through worship or from Scripture, prayer. But I told the prayer group this morning that we don't uh, uh, get all that many holidays. I guess it was the, the, the worship team too when we had our 7 a.m. meeting that we don't get many holiday seasons to be able to walk through. You get another holiday season. That person that doesn't have peace that you've been trying to counsel and tell them over and over and over again what they need. <laughs> or they keep bugging you and bugging you with their problems. Take the initiative as God's ambassador to proclaim as the angels proclaim, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. But I want to talk a little bit this day here about your peace and what you need to be doing. If you have peace with God and you're not experiencing the peace of God, I want to simply tell you to do this. And maybe... It's because of troubles and challenges in your life, or maybe you're in this long waiting season. In your waiting, 
in your waiting, run. Run to Jesus. The peace of God is found when you take refuge in Him. When you take refuge in Him, be found close to His presence. His presence, Emmanuel, God with us. I love this image of a refuge. Some of you sought refuge when you came in from the parking lot today and you tried to find refuge underneath your coat from the rain, right? A refuge is a place that you go for safety, for protection, to be kept away from harm. And in your waiting or in your discouragement or your challenge of what you're wrestling with, where are you running to? I want to say, run to Jesus and run to him as your refuge. It's a concept throughout scripture. In fact, here's just a few verses. Psalm 46, 1 says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. He's our refuge. David was on the run a lot. He found refuge in a cave, but he found refuge in the place of God. Psalm 62, 8. Oh, my people, trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart to him, for God is our what? Our refuge. I can cling. I almost want to bring up somebody here. I could. Uh, yes, I will. Levi, come up here, because I always pick on my son, my Levi, because he's always wanting to stand up and walk around during service anyway. <laughs> Levi and I are buds, right? This is our son, one of our sons. And I think... Yeah, I got you there. I think in terms of running to Jesus and trusting in him and clinging to him, like Levi and I cling to one another because he's a really good hugger if you've ever gotten a hug from Levi. So you ready to give a really good hug? Yeah. All right, here, give me a hug. Real good hug. Oh, you see what we're doing right now? We're hugging and loving on one another but I'm taking refuge in my relationship with Levi. And sometimes Levi comes, he just comes and hangouts with me. You did really good today. You can go back and sit down, though. I love you. I love you, too. But that visual of what you're doing and you're waiting and in your stress and your discouragement, where do you run to Jesus and cling to him? Jesus doesn't have a body, Carrie. No, he doesn't. In this day, he does not have a body. He did have a body. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We know that historically. He lived, he died, he rose from the grave for the salvation of our lives. He paid the penalty for our sin so that we could have peace with God. Then he ascended to the heavens, but he said after he ascended, that he would send his spirit. And his spirit is who he breathed upon them. Receive the Holy Spirit. Peace be with you. The peace I give to you. Because the spirit is presence wherever you go. God chose to be with you every place you go. And so instead of all the discouragement or anxiety, just cling to him. Take refuge in him. Pour out your heart to him. For God is our refuge. Get in his word. Read about him. Pause, contemplate, think on God's goodness. Think on God's faithfulness in your life. Recount places in your life, history past, where he came through, he was there, even in the hard times of waiting, maybe. Do whatever you need to do to understand that you can wrap your arms around the one who is the place where you need to find refuge because the Prince of Peace, God with us, is right at hand. Are you clinging to him? Psalm 91 says this. In fact, I read back through Psalm 91 this week, and I'm like, why haven't I memorized Psalm 91? Because that's an incredible psalm to memorize. But just the first two verses. Whoever dwells 
in the shelter of the Most High, will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, what? He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I will trust. I want to encourage you in, in your running and all that's going on that you have a refuge, one that you can hide in. And his presence is there to speak comfort. And even when he is silent and you're hugging him, he'll whisper to you like Levi just did, I love you. He'll whisper to you, just wait. I hate that. I remember one huge time in my life. It was a transition of a whole year. And I was seeking God. And I'm like, God, what am I to do? And all I got was the word, wait. Wait. Really? Wait? Yep, wait. You know when that time was? It was between ministries. And if I had not waited, I would not be here. Because the transitions that were happening in this church during those years had not transpired yet, but God was working, and he was working the right kinds of transitions, and he was working the right kind of change in my own heart to be able to step. The weight turned into God's fulfillment, and, and I just chose to spend time with him, even crying out to him, my refuge, weight. The peace of God then will confirm the will of God, to bring everyday guidance and direction into your life. I want you to take your scriptures, if you will. Again, I want to look at a passage that's in Philippians. In Philippians 4, it says this. In Philippians 4, verse 6, it says this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and Petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. The word anxious is sort of juxtaposed to the word shalom, peace, isn't it? When you're anxious, you are not at peace. But if you are at peace, then the anxiety level has been reduced because. God can work in the midst of whatever is going on. And in these situations, don't him haul around. You run to him. You cling to him. You go to Jesus and you begin to pray. You submit your petitions, your ideas, and, and you give it with a thankful heart. But you're just representing your request to God because you're in his presence. And you've maybe been doing that for years. I don't know. I need to go back to talk about the 400 years of silence and God's denial is not God's delay. When you think it is, you just need to remember God's working. He's aligning things for you to be able to be found in the place that he wants you to be. And then it says this in verse 7, and the peace of God, huh, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I want you to catch something here. Because the peace of God, there's, there's the gospel of the peace with God. All right? That's salvation. But then there's the gospel of the peace of God, which takes the peace with God and puts it into practice on a daily basis as the peace of God. And you need to be able to move from peace with God to the peace of God in your life. I find a lot of Christians, myself included at times, we're just worry warts. We're anxious people. We're actually pretty cynical sometimes. And we're downright not pleasant to be around at moments. And why is that if we have the Prince of Peace in our life? Because we've not taken the peace with God and moved it into the, the peace of God and done it on an active basis. And so here it says in Philippians, and the peace of God, which transcends all understandings, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There's another verse in Colossians 1.5 that says this, let the peace of Christ 
rule in your heart since as members of one body you were called to peace. And so this idea of taking the peace with God and moving into the peace of God on an active basis, it's almost like there's a there's a battlefield, right? And it's going on. When you're in a battlefield, you shouldn't be stationary. You need to be on the move. You need to be on the move so that you can react to things that are happening here and there. This is what's true of the peace of God. You need to take the peace with God, move it into the peace of God, and then send action kind of thing. How do you know where you need to move? How do you know where you need to take initiative and when you need to hold back or when you just need to wait and trust in him? You know by the peace of God. Have you been there? The peace of God. Let it guard your hearts. Let it lead your mind. And now, what I'm talking about with this peace idea is not just a warm, fuzzy feeling. There's something within us. We are spirit people. You got a body, and the body gets old, right? Someday we get a new body. But we are foremostly spirit people. And so when God's spirit mixes with our spirit and walks with us, God with us, Emmanuel, then there is a rightful reason that our peace with God can move to peace of God. And when we make decisions, whether it's to go or to stay or to act here or to act there, I'm going off of peace. What's the peace of God say? And you need to cultivate that as a spirit being because the voice of the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you and give you guidance on a regular basis for the peace of God will direct you in knowing God's will, His will, and direction. And I was thinking back through it this week. There's, there's, um, there's some times in my life where I thought I've had the peace of God about a decision and I've made the decision <laughs> And then I found out it wasn't God or it wasn't the right decision. And I'll admit to that. But I don't think there's ever time or seldom a time when I've not had the peace of God. I've made the decision instead to do things my way and I later regretted it. The peace of God will guard your hearts as you make the motions and the decisions, because God with us. So in your waiting, in your discouragement, in your anxiety, whatever it may be, practice the presence of God, that peace is there to lead and to guide you. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know what the next verse is? Finally, brothers and sisters, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, Put it into practice, Paul says, and the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace. He is our refuge. And if you're missing peace, you have to first ask yourself, have you fixed your eyes on knowing Christ? Do you have the peace with God? But then... Have you been able to practice the peace of God very well in your life? And are you listening to God's leading by going in the direction of where peace is? Have peace about this. And sometimes, friends, you will have peace about something and you will be scared to death to go that direction. Because peace doesn't always mean that it will be easy. Peace doesn't always mean that you'll have all this resurgence of a faith to make the step Faith is different than peace, but I make my steps of faith based upon my peace and let the peace of God lead, guide, and control as I move forward in life. So 
I'm going to ask um, Angela to come up. I want us to close, but I want us to pray. And I want us to pray for you. For this morning, there are some of you who need Emmanuel, God with us, because of the peace need in your life. In fact, you're facing a decision or you're just weary of waiting and you need some extra covering maybe for a prayer this morning for you to discover that peace. And so I'm just going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes and if you are one of those people here this morning that need the peace of God that passes all understanding, that will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, that you need that peace concerning something in particular, whether it's something you've been waiting on or something that you're presently discouraged with, that you would just stand to your feet and say, it's me standing in the need of prayer this morning. Is there anyone across this room? I need the peace of God. Will you pray for me? So we'll just give a few moments. Whatever you're wrestling with, the Spirit of Jesus Christ is here to minister His power and His strength to you through His peace. He is here to minister to you His wisdom, His perfect will to you through His peace. Anyone else? You stand. I believe it begins by you running to Jesus and clinging to Him. Pouring out your heart to Him as the Scriptures teach about us finding refuge in Him. And maybe just a simple act of standing breaks the stronghold in your life. Running on your own, in your own directions, but I need his peace this morning. We're just church family here today. And if you're online and God's been speaking to you about the need for peace, then just stand where you're watching. Anyone else? Several across this room, will you pray with me, Lord Jesus Christ? We love you. We cling to you. We run to you. We are so grateful that you came into this world of ours to set your people free, to save us from our sins, but to bring us not only peace with God, but to bring us the peace of God. And the peace that passes all understanding can be our portion here this morning. And so, Lord Jesus, we reach out to you. And for those who are standing here, we pray for them, not knowing their particular need. We ask, God, that you would so intervene this very week. Maybe they felt some of your peace and they've not been able to act on it by faith. Maybe you have seen so far in distance like those who walked through some of the silent years of the intertestament period. Lord, may we pray for one another. And may you break through in their life this week with your peace, your direction, your strength, your goodness, your hope. Ultimately, Lord, for your glory. You may be seated. I want to encourage us to do two things as we close down, as we sing. The ushers are going to come in just a moment to receive the Lord's tithes and offerings. But the message for next week is for somebody you know. Peace with God. And how do we establish peace with God in this Christmas season? And what Angela and I worked on some this week again, what we want to craft as our Christmas Eve experience. It's sort of a Sunday experience with a Christmas Eve experience because we're not doing Christmas service on Sunday morning so you can worship and be with family on Christmas Day. But there's somebody you know that needs to be at Christmas Eve service. 
I don't know them. You know them. But they don't have the peace. And so on your way out today, I want to encourage you. We don't have any special invites, but on your way out today, I want to encourage you to um, take one of the cards like this. It's the postcard. It's got the map on the back and service time. Well, for next Sunday's at 10, Christmas Eve services at 5. And just invite them. Write your name on your phone number. Take a couple extra. Put it in your purse. Carry it in your car. Ask God who he might help you extend peace to. And as we start to think about next year, I just want to do a little bit of a save the date. We talked about the men's breakfasts, second Saturday of every month. We're going to do that for a few months. Uh, save that date, men. Um, and we're going to have some outreach on that, of course. But uh, made decision this week that on March the 17th and 18th, that week, I almost want you to pull out your phones right now and, and mark that weekend off, a Friday night and a Saturday. We're going to have a special conference right here called Plan A Conference because you are God's plan A for them. There is no plan B. And we're going to look at God opening up our hearts this next year to have a heart for outreach and evangelism because there's a lot of people and they may not be doing crazy, silly things with their life, but they're living lives of quiet desperation. We must mobilize ourselves because the time is short. Take a card, invite somebody, set aside time for some training in the coming months. Let's be diligent on shouting from the mountaintops the good news. And then finally, as the ushers come, I just want to have you take note that in your seat backs has been an offering envelope for our special year in Christmas offering. And just as church family today or online, I want to encourage you to really pray about giving an extra special, maybe sacrificial gift to God during this Christmas season. Because the resources that we have is what we choose to operate by. And we live within our means as a church. But there's some things I think God's calling us to do that need greater means, even resource financially. Would you consider a special gift above and beyond your tithes and offerings to God's work as we head towards year end? So there you go. This is December 11th. Next Sunday is Christmas Sunday for us on the 18th and then Christmas Eve. It'll all start to roll and happen real fast. Like Angela said, when you let off worship, here we are in December, right? So ushers come to receive the Lord's tithes and offerings as well as your connect cards. And let's worship as we close. Oh.